3: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoke audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective.
0: Connecting changes everything. at and
2: I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with the seven every weekday. So follow the seven right now.
3: Hey, money movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, welcome to another episode of the Money Moves podcast, powered by Greenwood. Our next guest is a man who has made it from the hood to the mansion lifestyle we all dream of. Starting his career in the entertainment industry as a rapper, he quickly became the protege of music mogul Master P. He eventually transitions to becoming an actor and a film producer, and he is also venturing into the podcast space with his own podcast holding court. All of this while being a real estate tycoon and entering into various business ventures in his background. Money Movers, let's welcome the big risk taker entrepreneur, Big Court. Hey, Big Court.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
3: Good, good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited to hear more about your background and all the moves you've been making across all these different industries. We love a diverse entrepreneur.
1: Thank you for having me, man. It's a a blessing to be here. I appreciate you.
3: And especially, you know, I feel like your story is very inspiring for so many people who come from humble beginnings and have taken the time to really expand their portfolios and build wealth not only for yourself, but for your family. So I think there's a lot of young people that can learn from your experience, your drive, and your entrepreneurship hustle and grind. So that being said, take us to the beginning. Tell us um, about where you got your start and share a little bit about how you grew up.
1: I appreciate that. that. Matter of fact, uh, I just want to say that's like one of the best introductions I've ever had on the interview. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, you
3: deserve it. You deserve it. These are all your accolades.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. So I'm a Midwest boy. Um, I was actually born in Kansas City, Kansas at KU Medical Center. Uh grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I'm an only child. I grew up an only child. Uh, I'm from a neighborhood that they call the Faux Block uh, in Kansas City, and I just grew up mainly just me, my mom, and my grandmother. Um, I was raised by strong women. Mm. Uh, I was raised where education was a focal point in a household. My grandmother she used to um, she used to mandate me to read the dictionary and the encyclopedia. So when I was a kid, she's you're dating yourself
3: uh, there. Encyclopedias. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: right encyclopedia this new generation don't know they don't know about
3: encyclopedias
1: and so my grandmother when she would go to work she would make me read the dictionary and then she would come home and quiz me on the spelling and uh the, the 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 definitions of the words and my grandmother and my mother they were they always uh would get me on diction and my enunciation and speaking well and all of that so I grew up in a household with love, to be very honest with you. I wasn't raised on survival. I was raised yeah. on love. It, Ooh, love it yields a big difference of character, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I had a great childhood. Um, fortunately, I don't have, I didn't come from poverty. Even though we were in the hood, I had a great childhood. My mother provided. Uh, again, I'm an only child, so I was spoiled. But, you know, you at some point, you have to go outside. So I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s and the 90s. So uh, you know, with the emergence of crack cocaine and, mm-hmm. and gang infiltrating the, the inner city, you have to learn how to navigate all of that. Um, so, yeah. So the environment becomes hostile. So even though I have this type of living in my household, I still have to go and deal with the, you know, the outside. So, you know, I start losing friends early uh, to death, to prison, especially with the the uh mandatory minimums of the the drug laws the draconian drug laws um and so that kind of sparked something in me where i wanted to go a different direction you know uh so i can't kind of say actually being around so much death actually probably saved my life but wow.
3: um that's hard I, it's at a young age too and i know a lot of our youth have to deal with that it's it's hard to shoulder that
1: it is it is it's you, I, you don't realize the uh emotional and mental toll that it takes on you until you get older. Yeah. And when I look back on it, there's a, there's a, it changes you. And I think maybe it's a level of PTSD that you have yes. to deal with, or maybe that you suppress. Yep. Um, and it, 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 breeds a coldness. I'll be very honest with you. Um, you become desensitized to death. You become desensitized
3: to a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, things that Pain normal trauma, people, grief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, um, like, I, I mean, this is, we're segueing here, but you know, also like, I think in your case, like it sparked something in in you that was like, Hey, I need a different life. And I'm sure has really been helpful in creating this grind and spirit and drive for you to create so much more opportunity in your own life. For sure.
1: Uh, and my mother instilled that in me as well. My mother always put in me that I could do whatever I wanted. So she always, uh, she bred this, um, Uh, she instilled this confidence that I always had in myself, regardless of what it was. Um, I kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit, even Mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, I used to want to be a basketball player, um, like most kids in the hood. Um, And I also used to be good with the BMX bikes. So as a kid, I was like designing my own sneakers and designing my own own bike, my own bicycle, thinking that one day, I was gonna, you know, be be like Michael Jordan or 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 have my own bike line. So, um, yeah, you know, my mother instilled that.
3: So, how did you make this segue into music and becoming a rapper with No Limit, Master P? Those are big names in the business. That's that's no small feat. Um,
1: you know, coming from Kansas City, there wasn't a big industry. Uh, in, you know, now people, some people watching have to understand this is before social media. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, you know, it wasn't like now where anybody could just be anybody. Like back mm-hmm. then you really had to put in the groundwork. You really had to, especially coming from a city that wasn't L.A. or New York. Yeah. Um, it, it was hard. Um, so basically I started getting into music because I was an artist. I could draw really well. I used to write my mom poetry. Um, and I think being able to articulate, being able to uh, kind of, you um, Uh, excel at creative writing. I think it was a natural transition to getting into some form of uh, written expression. And I was inspired by Ice-T, Eazy-E, Ghetto Boys, and WA. I was blown away by gangster rap. And then it was also mirroring what I was seeing when I left my house. Again, because the streets
3: became
1: hostile. So you become intrigued by that, you know, as a youngster in in the city, in the hood. You become intrigued by that. So, um... I I felt like it was attractive and, um, I started getting into music. I had a group called CCG, um, in 1996, we signed with no limit records. Uh, we were featured on the down South hustlers compilation, which went gold back then. Yeah. We were on the song RIP. And then even past that, I went on to, uh, have my own independent label, uh, even still. And I released several, you know, um, could be considered hood classics under my own label i love a hood classic yeah yeah even as a teenager i was thinking like that as a teenager young adult um and that's when i started coming into a little bit of money
3: wow okay so now you've got some hood classics under your belt people in the streets know who you are and you've taken the twist to launch your own label like that people weren't doing that all that often there so what was it that was really um, driving you to set out on your own entrepreneurial path? Um,
1: I think it was, obviously it was the influence of Master P, you know, mm-hmm. who who once I signed and once we cultivated relationship, he became kind of like the big brother I never had. Uh, so I'm emulating his moves. Uh, also, you know, I had a child very young. I had my first mm-hmm. child at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. So the, the sense of urgency yeah. of, of figuring something out. Uh, I did graduate high school. Um, I So I graduated high school. I had some other str- struggles before then because I had went to jail at 15 and all of that. But um, uh, I, the sense of urgency is what it was. You know, it was understanding that I have a family now. <clears throat> Playtime is over. Right. Um, and just wanted my life to be different. You know, I was always a dreamer. I always tell people that it starts with just the dream. It starts in your head. You know, once you start think like people really, you do manifest these things. We attract people. So I always dreamed outside of my environment, outside of Kansas City. I always pictured myself, you know, driving nice cars and living in big houses and just doing things that I had no reference point of doing. But I just seen, I knew I could see on TV. I'm like, okay, they do it. So why can't
3: I? So why so, can't I?
1: Yeah. So a lot of it just started here, just wanting something more for myself. I love that. And
3: I love hearing black men talk Mm -hmm. about the power of manifesting your dreams, like sometimes people gloss over that, but like there's so much power in the power of your thoughts and words to like really help you create your reality, like your dream should be your reality. So I appreciate you saying that. So now let's move on. Right. You've now diversified and you have so many different entrepreneurial pursuits under your belt. What came next after after the music industry?
1: Well, once I started getting a little money in the music industry, I buy my first investment property. Now, this is where I tell people sometimes all you have to do is show up. You, you know, it's it, education is important. Okay. Uh, I'm never going to undermine education. That doesn't always equate to success. A lot of times you have people that have the education, but it's the difference between knowledge and applied knowledge. So, Um, You may get the knowledge by not getting your head knocked, but then you're able to apply once you get it. I bought my first investment property. I think I bought it for like seventeen thousand dollars. It was in my neighborhood. Um, So I I put another I don't know, maybe fifteen thousand into it. And I think I rented it out for like seven hundred dollars a month. Right. So this is Kansas City in the '90s. So I remember thinking like, uh, um damn it's going to take me a long time to get my money to recoup my money <laughs> <laughs> right and so i had no knowledge of credit i had no knowledge of um leveraging i had no knowledge of of relationships with banks none of that like yeah. all i knew was buy low and sell high and that was pretty much uh me exercising uh, a a business acumen from the streets that yeah. i bought. so I started buying the houses because the older guys, some of the OGs in my house that were hustling, they would buy houses. So I figure, uh, you know, let me go ahead and do what the older guys in my neighborhood are doing. So uh, I bought my first house and then I was like, OK. So I remember thinking, well, I'm getting seven hundred dollars a month. This is a volume game. So let me see if I can get 10. Let me shoot for 10. And then that gives me six seven thousand dollars a month because after the cash flow i knew nothing about equity i I didn't even have that language or understanding so by the time i got to about i got to 11 houses that were free and clear
3: okay 11 Um, houses though that that's huge so you're just buying house after house in the neighborhood like that's a pretty strong move
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess looking back on it, it was, um, yeah, I was buying them free and clear. And I was actually, I was probably, I kind of developed a business model in my yeah. head. I wouldn't go over maybe, cause then I start learning about comps. Again, I have no training in real estate when I started, right? I didn't know about comps. I didn't know about appraisals, anything. I just knew that, okay, I know what these houses rent for in this area.
3: So Um, how old were you when you had all these homes?
1: Well, by the time I reached um, 11, I was probably about 22.
3: Wow, that is really young.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I love i ask
3: that because oftentimes, you know, people in the audience are listening. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, what holds people back from making the first step is they're like, I need more information, I need to be more experienced, I need another mentor, I need this. And like, when you hear your story, you're like, listen, sometimes you just have to go out on blind faith and you're gonna make mistakes, but there you were 22 with 11 houses.
1: Yeah, you you have to, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, uh, success is a culmination of failures. So you have to embrace those mistakes. You're going to make them, but that's how you get to the mastery level. It's just like riding a bike. You don't pick a bike up and then just start riding it. Like oh, well, I've got, got my fall. scars.
3: I still have like, you know, 40 year old scars from learning to ride a bike, but you learn from yeah. it and guess what? I'm a great bike rider
1: eggs exactly. I learned how to ride a bike in one day. So
3: you- well, I don't you know about learn... that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell you, me you know, more,
3: tell you... me some more about um, some of the failures that you'd experienced in your years in real estate, especially in the early, early years, although there could be some in the later years that might be more important as well.
1: The irony of that is I didn't take any L's in my early years. It was later. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I started, What I started expanding. So by the time, well, so I have to tell you this. So when I got to 11 houses, um, I hooked up with a a local credit union and it was Mm -hmm. a lady that worked in, uh, she worked in business lending. Um, we had a conversation and she was impressed that I had 11 houses. She was like free and clear. I was like, yeah, she was like, so you don't know how much equity you, you have. I was like, what is equity? (laughs) So Needless to say, um, she really taught me her and I have a half brother um, they really taught me about the leveraging part of it. Cause probably within maybe two months, I had like uh, a $900,000 line of credit over my house. Wow! Houses. Yeah. So I had this in my early twenties. So.
0: Okay, so
3: I want to stop there because like that's a really important part because you went from I bought all these houses. I had these assets. I didn't really know what that meant. I just know that I was getting income. But then by able, to, by being able to reach out and find people who at that point were a little bit smarter than you, they put you on to, Hey, I can get a line of credit for almost like a million dollars, which can help me increase the value of my assets i have more movability to move around and make other things because sometimes other people's money can be an asset to building your portfolio
1: and that's when i learned about other people's money yes yes once they told me that they once you know they took me under their wings the important part lesson in that was you know understanding i know what i don't know and i find the people who do know you know So uh, yeah, they took me under their wings. They taught me about, hey, this is cool that you did that, but you use other people's money. That's how rich people do
3: it. And you know, the credit conversation in our community is so interesting because I feel like when I grew up, you know, same thing in, in my family, my family was very, you know, don't overspend. They were conscious about being like frugal and fiscally responsible, but credit was this weird thing where it was like, oh, don't ruin your credit. So I almost feared credit. You know, because I didn't want to have bad credit or mess up somehow. But then it took me a while to understand that credit can be your friend. Credit can be the ultimate leverager.
1: Absolutely. You have to owe someone. Mm -hmm. You have to owe someone in order to make yourself viable in that space. You know, uh, and that's the other part of it. You're right. A lot of uh, people in our community, probably not so much now, but that generation that you speak on, yeah. you know, they want, they want everything paid for. They don't want to owe anyone, but you have to owe someone. You know. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, So what I end up doing is once I I got the line of credit, I end up going to Atlanta and I end up getting into real estate in Atlanta. Now this was around the 2007 2008. You remember okay. that? So uh, timing was terrible. Oh Uh, wait. Yeah.
3: Okay. Now the markets are just, Ooh, that's gotta be painful. Okay. So let's hear this story. My heart's already pounding for
1: you. (laughs) So I have, I have almost a million dollars in, in, in credit. Now I'm learning about other types of loans. I'm learning. Now I'm understanding that when you walk in a bank, those people are there to sell you products. Mm -hmm. You start understanding that, you know, the relationship with banking and all of that. Um, so uh, my credit was A one. I had access to pretty much anything I wanted. Uh, I go to Atlanta. I buy up everything. I'm in Decatur. I'm <laughs> I'm just down there acting a fool, right? So um, oh. timing couldn't be uh, oh. no worse than ever, right? So probably about eight or nine months into that is when that whole bubble bursted, oh. and I wind up being so upside down in those Atlanta properties where-
3: So many people I, were, of course. Yeah.
1: So I ended up short selling probably eight of them. I let another maybe two go into foreclosure. I had to, it, it was nothing I could do. Yeah. <laughs> I just had yeah. to take it on the end. Um, but luckily, uh, prior to that, I had I had set up companies. See, when I first started, all my real estate, all my properties were in my name. I didn't even know. This
3: is so important. This is so yeah. important to share because this mm-hmm. is like how you set the foundations for building smart businesses, yeah. you know, yeah. taking yourself out of it and realizing that it's a company yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. So tell me more about how you set this so up.
1: If, if you notice yeah. the through line, a lot of my knowledge came from mistakes. Everything yeah. that I've done came from mistakes. So all my properties were in my name. So I soon had to learn to create a company. I created a couple of LLCs. Uh, and corporations, and I have properties for different reasons under those entities. So in Atlanta, same thing. You know, I had those under entities, and, you know, I took a huge loss. I lost probably, shoot, over a million dollars in Atlanta alone. That's not counting what I had lost in Kansas City as well. So that was my first uh, introduction into understanding businesses like a figure eight. It's up and down, and you have to be able to take the hits, because I took them. Okay. I took and there was a domino effect with that because I had business credit cards and I had business lines of credit that were connected to these assets that I no longer had. But I still had the debt of those assets. So um, it was it was tricky for me during that time. So I had to learn that. So I learned how to be successful. Then I had to learn how to fail. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And talk about mentally, you know, that was a really tough time for so many people, like all across the country, people Mm -hmm. lost their shirts, their confidence, Mm -hmm. like families were like, what was it that helped you to understand this idea that business is sort of secular and really like keep your focus on, you know, just being positive and that you could work through it.
1: That's hard. That's hard. That's where your, your mental dexterity and your, your emotional fortitude and your faith and all of that is really tested, you know, but Sometimes you just have to put your faith in God and do the best that you can. That's all any of us can do. You can learn from your mistakes and try to proceed forward with this new knowledge. And, you know, you understand as an entrepreneur, most people that I know that are successful, I know some really wealthy people and they're brown people, black people. Mm -hmm. And most, most of us that come into some money, lose it at some point and then get it back because we don't come from financial literacy. We're not brought up in that, we're not taught that. We're learning on the job. So I know people that have you know, come into millions, millions of dollars, more money than I ever have. Yep. And they've lost it uh, due to different you know, reasons or whatever the case may be. So that's, you know, I, that, that's an important part of that journey to success too, is, yep. is understanding the, the failures. Uh, and being able to absorb that because you're going to get them on any level. It's only not till you get to wealth. When you get to like, you know, Oprah's, you know, yes. Bill Gates. you don't feel those losses. But right. until you, you know, there's a difference between wealth and ri- being rich, you know, you know rich, op- rich obtains and wealth sustains is a difference.
3: That's right. And I love like this is what I love about the Money Moves podcast, having those conversations, because it's not just about, you know, building check to check. We're really helping to understand and explore how we can build generational wealth in our communities. And that comes with, you know, business advice, but also like a mental mindset that can help us excel and get to the next level. So I love that Big Court. Now, Big Court, tell me about this podcast that you're doing, because I know that's something that you're really excited about. And, you know, it's also about educating other people. So what influenced you to start your own podcast?
1: Um, uh, kind of somewhat like you guys. I wanted to get a positive message out there. You know, of course, I want to entertain people, but I built it. predicated on bringing in a lot of the legends uh like your masterpieces, your Jay princes your ice tees these are all people i've had on my show to be able to give them their flowers now mm. and to be able to to share the journey i think it's important when people you know a lot of times people see the finished result you know yeah. they see the end result uh but you're more inspired by the struggle you know yeah. coming through the struggle what was the beginning you know what was what did it take what was the road like up to this point because, uh, you know, not everybody makes it to that 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 elite circle
3: oh, like that. And just not everybody's mm-hmm. story gets told, but we, it's like, exactly. like there's so much learning and hearing stories of, mm-hmm. you know, people who have made it and people who we even haven't. You know, I I, I, yeah. I just love conversations like this. I think we can learn so much from so many people.
1: The reason I started the Holding Court podcast was that's, that's part of the narrative as well, is to preach uh, ownership. Uh, a business. I own the podcast. In essence, a podcast becomes an advertising agency. So it's just another leg in my, you know, um, yeah. whole entrepreneurial uh, portfolio. And uh, also, like I said, to bring on people like Jay Prince, Ice T, Master P, uh, a lot of the legends to be able to give their 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 story to the to the listener as well. And also to promote my own products because, like I said, I come from entrepreneurship. So. I created my own supplement as well, you know, so I'm, I'm a. Oh, like a dietary supplement. Yes. Yes. I created that as well. So, uh, which is called true muscle sports. So a lot of our stuff is sponsored. clearly not working. True, huh?
3: <laughs> I that, said, it's clearly not working.
1: Right. You know, I, that's what I, I gotta, I gotta tweak. I gotta tweak the formula a little bit, you know, <laughs> Obviously. So, yeah. So. And, that, and I did that because I always tell people invest in things that you love, you know, invest in things that you love and you'll succeed at it because you'll put the time into it. You know, if you you can't do things for money, you know, if you chase money, you'll never catch it. You know, money's like a shadow. Well, see, you'll
3: this is such it. an int- because it's so funny, you know, the older and older we get and the more entrepreneurs we see on here. And it, like that's like the yeah. epitome of something Oprah would say. Oprah will say, you know, I've never done anything for the money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's yeah. a really it's a really hard thing for people to wrap their head around and I just love diving into that because what it really means and what you're saying is if you're passionate about something and you like supplements and working out that it doesn't become a job okay. and people gravitate yeah. to that. that's you know and it's mm-hmm. hard when you hear Oprah say it but when you know we see successful yeah. people who are saying it that are like yeah. I really hope that people understand what that means and how to really embody that in your life
1: uh, it's the most important thing. I mean, because like you said, when you're passionate about it, you will put the time into it. Because you know, when you're trying to build something, it, it's going to take time. It, most times, it doesn't just happen like that. It's not instant gratification. So you know, if you're just doing it for the money, when when you don't yield the results quickly, you're going to stop. You're not going to put the time into it because you're just chasing something that you're not getting. You're not getting the results you want. But when it's a passion, when you love it, it's not work. You're just yeah. doing what feels natural to you. And the money will come. So the same thing with the podcast. Um, I would go live on on Facebook, a lot on social media. And it was my followers that urged me like, hey, man, we love your message, you know, and I love giving the message. See, I love um, sharing knowledge, wisdom and understanding. So it doesn't feel dutiful to me. You know, so I would be doing it. if There were no money involved. Yeah. Uh, same thing with, with working out. Um, it's just something that I enjoy doing and especially getting the message of uh, any business that I create at this point in my life. I try to have a message to it as well, especially to our community. So when you talk about healthy living, I created that brand and I try to get the message of healthy living out to us as black people, mainly because we're already predisposed to a lot of health ailments due to you know bad diet, sometimes our gen- genetic disposition. Um, so a lot of those things can be prevented with healthy diet and exercise. So any business that I create, there is a message behind it as well.
3: Oh, that's great. Because I definitely, definitely know, especially for the African-American population, like as much education we can get on longevity, healthy diets and lifestyles, like I just want us all to live till we're 120. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, education, man, you know, I tell tell education, especially coming from the the, the neighborhood, you know, like educate yourself to anything that you want to do. Like success happens differently for everybody. So I could break down intricacies and I could break down how to step by step. But that may not be for you. That may not be how it happens to you. So it starts with the with this, you know, you just have to start, you know, and you'll find your way in whatever it is you want to do.
3: I love that. And I think that's great advice to entrepreneurs of all ages. You just have to start, start, educate start. yourself and just keep going. I think that's it. You just keep going every day, you know, set daily goals so that you're making progress. And you know, you look back and you're like, wow, I did that. All right. What's Absolutely.
1: next? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You live life long enough, it'll teach you how to live.
3: The, ooh, you live life long enough, it'll teach you how to live. I like that. That's a good one. Okay. I got to remember that. Big Court, thank you so much for your time today. You were truly an entrepreneurial mastermind. And I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us here um, and inspiring so many. That said, would you mind sticking around and really getting into the weeds with us about starting a podcast, mentorship, and how we can go about being entrepreneurs ourselves? We'd love to hear more from you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood Money Movers. Thank you for joining us and be sure to tune in next time. We've got a lot more coming up that you won't want to miss out. Thank you so much for tuning in Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in
1: that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
0: This is... Is Uncanny USA.
2: He says,
3: Somebody's in the house and I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Get in zone, AutoZone.
1: Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get 5 quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone.
0: AutoZone.
1: Restrictions
2: apply. More info now.